welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Dental Deep Dive. I'm your host, David Danielson, and today I'm joined by Teresa Duncan. Teresa is a podcaster, speaker, and writer with over 20 years of experience in the healthcare industry. Teresa really focuses in on insurance and insurance management issues. She's the author of Moving Your Patients to Yes, Easy Insurance Conversations, and has contributed to several ADA publications. Her membership includes National Speakers Association and the National Association of Dental Plans. Her podcast, Nobody Told Me That, and Chew On This are resources for all kinds of dental leaders. Let's dive in. We are so glad to have Teresa on the show. To start off, I just want to mention for the people that know Teresa in the market, she's an expert in a lot of things. There are a lot of things we could talk about. She often speaks about insurance management, training office managers and staff, overall improvements and efficiencies, and we will definitely get into some of those things today. But before we do, I'd really like to talk about what are the trends that you're seeing in the industry right now? Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. And it's great to talk with you and to connect with your audience. I know I have my own audience, so it's nice to connect with new audiences. Well, one thing that I'm seeing a lot is there is now a real focus on, am I actually productive? And that really was brought about because of COVID, the shutdown, and people looking at their accounts receivable and realizing they had money sitting in accounts receivable rather than in their bank account. They took a look at their increased overhead, like people not being in the office, being short-staffed, and then the PPE increases and wondering, are my contracts, are my carrier contracts actually putting me in the red or am I in the black? So I think the fact that doctors are taking a look at the actual productivity, whether or not they're profitable from that, I think that's super exciting. Another thing that I'm really excited about is people are coming back into the office. So uh, for a while, I was I was very nervous, but we're starting to see the volumes back up again, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And we've seen the same thing. We, we saw customers, the rebound has been really good. I think people are feeling more and more confident in going back into practices. And I think it's been great for overall for the industry. Is there anything like particularly that you're excited about right now? I mean, we're seeing kind of that inflow, but is there anything else you're excited about as far as uh, the dental market? So I'm really excited that there are more and more people looking to actually learn the business of it. And what I mean by that is for years, we've been talking about, we need to know the business of dentistry and all that stuff, right? I'm talking about the real business, like profit and loss. People are asking how to read a balance sheet and that is phenomenal. So I know on the corporate side, that's pretty much taken for granted that someone coming into an executive position or a managerial position should know that stuff. Now on the solo side, you're starting to see, okay, I need to get that going too. And I really am excited that there is an interest in not just the owner docs, associate doctors want to know it, managers who previously just wanted to run the practice well, now they want to know that in-depth information. So on the geeky side, you asked about excitement. I have to be real careful with how excited I get about this because people just don't understand it. I really love that insurance is at, you know, everybody's, everybody wants to talk about insurance now. And I don't like that it's a pain point, but I really like the fact that people are aware that a contract can have such a huge impact on your take home. 
Absolutely. You've heard this term for years. PPO is king, right? It used mm-hmm. to be cash is king, but PPO is king in dental mm-hmm. for good or for bad. And I think it's really important that people really get those pieces kind of honed in and nailed down. So, so you have your own podcast. You're talking to dental professionals all the time. What do you find are the most common questions that you're being asked, particularly around like, how do I make my practice more successful or what should I do to be more successful? What kinds of things are they really asking? So I'm getting asked a lot how to find good people. Where am I going to find good people? So that honestly, I'm just going to, I'm going to sidestep it. I have to be honest. I'm not the best at that. That's not my space, but I can't tell you how many calls and emails I get. Do you know anybody good or where can I find this? What's your best tip? And I know that that's because the industry as a whole is just suffering from a lack of talent. So uh, you asked about what I was excited about. I'm actually, that's a big pain point. I'm not excited about that at all. When they ask me for expertise, they're saying, you know, how do I know that I'm not missing something? That really is the biggest question that I get in various forms. How do I know I'm not missing that someone's taking money? How do I know that I'm not missing that the write-offs are too big and shouldn't be that big? How do I know that I'm in the right plan? Should I be in this plan so I can take advantage of this contract? My goodness, there's just, what am I missing is really the biggest question that I get. So I'm always responding with, find the expert in that question and have them help you and give you some guidance because- I think consulting, I think any service offerings right now, when it's a one-size-fits-all, I think something's missing. The consulting side of dentistry has niched down so much, and I think people need to take advantage of that, the fact that there are experts in certain areas. So uh, yeah, the most common questions I get is, what am I missing? What am I not doing? So that's what I try to help. Yeah, it's very interesting. I just met with a whole bunch of customers this last week. We've been doing interviewing and, and some research and stuff like that. And it's interesting that you picked the hot topic, which turned out to be the hottest and heaviest, hardest topic, which is hiring. And one guy hired somebody out of a gas station. Like, <laughs> he's like, you know, I really like your charisma. I can work with that. So yeah. I, I think when it comes to finding people, I think non-traditional methods are going to become the new norm. And I think careers in, in uh, healthcare are really interesting and compelling. And I think there's a lot we can offer but I think sometimes, you know, trying to get a hold of people and, and find the right people, it might be personality over talent at the beginning, just so you can, because you can train a lot of things, but you can't train happiness. So I think there's going to be some very interesting uh, changes there. And I really liked how you talked about how people are niching down. And, and I, I agree with that. I think there's, there's an area of best practice. And um, part of the reason why we even started this podcast to begin with was because there's a lot of best practices in people's heads and people don't know, right? You you have to search far and wide to find the person that knows something. And then Mm -hmm. once you do, you're like, oh, this is the best person ever. And then there's somebody right behind them with a totally different set of expertise. And you're like, I'm so glad I found them. I think it's one of those things where I think at an industry level, there are things that we know that we don't know. And there are things that we don't know that we think we should know. And I think those are I think that's a big part of, you know, what we're trying to do as a community right now. I know that you often speak about workflows, particularly around insurance management. How do you see making improvements in this area really alleviate stress for practices? Because that's what really comes back to it is when I feel like, you know, if I'm in a practice, I'm working with them and they have really bad, you know, uh, 30, 60, 90, that's really stressful. And what are you recommending and, and what are you seeing there for key improvements? 
What I recommend is taking a look at the patient journey through the office. And I know patient journey sounds so cliche, but look at it from a from an insurance point of view. It doesn't start with the patient call. I know a lot of times it seems like it would start with the patient call, but it really starts with when they go to your website and find out whether or not you take their plan or you work with their plan or what kind of financial arrangements that you're going to have on there. If you don't have anything on there, then the patient who is specifically looking for that is going to move somewhere else. So I think it needs to start from the very beginning where your website accurately reflects that you work with these plans. Doesn't mean you participate, but you work with these plans and that you're insurance friendly. Then when you get the person on the phone, then you have to take the right information from them so that you can get the insurance eligibility benefits, all that. That's actually that's pretty easy. That's easy to fix. I mean, really within a week, I can get you to fix that. The hardest part is in the clinical side. And this is where I kind of make an appeal to doctors. Please don't hate me for this, but, but you guys are screwing it up for us, honestly. (laughs) So the documentation piece is where I think we lose a lot of the effectiveness in any workflow because I can set up your workflow, but if my documentation isn't good, what I'm sending into the carriers as backup I'm going to get my claims denied all the time. I say this in classes, your documentation will drive your revenue. That's like my motto. Your documentation is going to drive your revenue. And until a doctor starts to see that claims are unpaid or until an organization starts to see that one provider is specifically not getting paid on certain things because of the lack of documentation, we're not going to see changes in that. There has to be some oversight. There has to be a real specific focus on that part of the workflow. The other side of it, if we could make improvements in how confident your team members are in talking about insurance, then that will convey down to the patient. And then a lot of treatment plan acceptance then flows from there. But what I find, and I understand, is that people are so unsure about insurance because they've been burned so many times by it that they're not confident and patients pick up on that. And the whole big thing about transparency and pricing, that's coming to us. We need to get better on this. This is this is like really a priority for, for people that I'm talking with. That makes a lot of sense. Are you finding that when people implement KPIs like clean claim submission rates or things like that, do you find that that really helps to move the needle? Or do you think it's more on the education side? Because you have to have one with the other. You kind of have to have some type of a, a mechanism to enforce it. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I think there's that educational piece on the front, which is, is if you don't have the right documentation, you won't ever get paid. We, we all know yeah, that. Yeah. And that cycle going back to the provider to get it or create it or whatever, that's a dangerous place. I, I think people can get into trouble if they end up in that cycle. So when I've implemented KPIs or, or worked with teams who have it already, the KPIs around the clean claims, the person who that reflects back on is the insurance coordinator, but that's not really the, the person that really bears the biggest responsibility. So for me, the the KPI begins with were chart notes completed on a daily basis, where if I were to do, and I, I advise this completely, I do a spot check on clinical notes at least once a week, just pick, you know, don't cherry pick, don't go after one provider, you know, do a random of all of them and just make sure the notes were completed. And that if you had no prior knowledge of that appointment, you could accurately say, okay, this is exactly what happened. Patient was actually happy because there's a statement in there that says so. All of that is a better KPI for the clinician than it is for the insurance coordinator. Now, claims getting submitted and then rejected, yes, of course we have to watch on that. But if the rejection is for the documentation, 
I mean, I, I have to hold the do- the clinician accountable on that case. And and not just doctors. I, I said doctors, but had to correct myself. Hygienists are the same way too. I really need some good documentation for my scaling and replaning. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I've talked to, we we had a conversation with a previous guest and we talked about implementing the right metrics at the right places for the right people at the right times mm-hmm. kind of a conversation. And it was it was really interesting to kind of note because one of the things that I think is important is we're trying to advance the practice, right? It's not just one person or just one group. It's, hey, we want to do better together. And I think it was really interesting to see how I like where you went, which is, hey, listen, we want to do some type of end-of-day checklist. We want to make sure that that documentation is there. I mean, it speeds up even submission of claims. I mean, just just making sure those things get done at the end of the day. And I really like those kind of post-workday workflows where where people are really you know, buttoning things down at the end of the day. I I think it makes a huge difference in in the success of those practices from my observation, from what I've seen. Well, I can give you an example. There was an office that I worked with where one provider only did their notes the next morning. They just would make little scratches in there and then go back the next morning and clean up the notes. Well, the insurance coordinator has her own flow. And I have to say she was much more consistent with her flow. So I didn't want to bother her with her flow. She does not submit claims until after three o'clock or four o'clock because she's making sure everything is done. She's got entries and all of that. So her time to submit claims was towards the end of the day, which actually makes sense for that day, right? You're, she's getting it out the same day. I'm excited about that. But because of that provider taking the time, that provider was always on a one day behind cycle, which doesn't seem like a lot. You know, there's probably some that are like, wow, how much faster do you want the money? Well, if it's electronic claims, I can get that paid a lot faster, right? I can get my ERAs in time. So I don't want to make a huge point over a couple hours difference, less than 24 hours difference, but you could really see that that is going to affect the workflow there. So that particular insurance coordinator now has to remember to go back and double check. And so, you know, everybody makes it, they make adjustments and all of that, but there is some real good stuff that comes out of consistency. Yeah. Great points. I kind of want to transition to a little different topic. Maybe uh, pick your brain on this one, you know, with practices really kind of coming back from COVID, there's so many people working overtime and trying to catch up from being shut down. I mean, it seems like they're still working on the backlog of their own patient base, right? What are you seeing that people are doing to be successful and not burn out their teams and and overburden them too much? Because this is kind of an interesting kind of situation that we're in right now. Now, this this is really a very emotional conversation for me because I have a lot of friends who have left dentistry. And it is because of COVID, it is because of the burnout. And the bulk of my work over the years has been with managers and insurance coordinators, and they were really impacted with the shutdown because even though the other team members took some time or maybe left, the ones who were managing had to actually run it and take on all these extra duties. So unfortunately, I know a few that just said, forget it, I'm out. And I know quite a few that are considering it. So the biggest piece of advice I would give is you need to leave it at the office, which is hard. It's hard for a manager who feels like the office is their baby to do that. But you do, you have to leave it at the office and you have to 
remember that family, home life, and that you are certainly very important. Now, from an owner point of view and a practice owner point of view, you're probably trying to figure out how do I keep people from burning out? Well, I think you have to really pay attention to them. And I'll speak specifically to the ones who have a very strong team leader on board because we tend to think, okay, that team leader is so strong. She handles everything that's thrown at her. That's the one who needs the most. Are you okay? Maybe you should take some time. Here's a you know free Olive Garden night you know for your family, something like that. Because speaking as a strong team leader, and I did this for years with my offices, nobody really checked on me because they just figured I had my stuff together. And when people did check on me, it was very appreciated. And honestly, you don't realize it until somebody does. So check in on your strong leaders because they have those moments too, and they need some some attention. And what I always say to, and this is more specifically to the solo practices, the Group practices in dental or DSOs don't typically have this type of makeup, but for us, if any solo manager is listening, my biggest advice, and this hurts to hear, is that if you are stressing out more than the owner, you have to really ask yourself why. You cannot love that practice more than the owner of the practice. It's a recipe for disaster. You're going to get heartburn faster than anybody at that office and you're going to burn out. So find a good home, find a good home and one that, that really appreciates all that you bring to the table. It's tough. It's a tough topic. Super tough. And, you know, we, we want to make sure that people are happy. And I know it sounds crazy, but happy staff means happy patients. So I think there's something to say about the fact that, you know, we're all here trying to improve not only patient care and patient access, but we want a great patient experience on top of that. And I think that's one of those things where, you know, these are very real challenges that we're experiencing right now. And, and I think it's hard for, for us to Sometimes we got to take a step back and, and show some gratitude. And it's funny how powerful, uh, you know, gratitude can be if you extend it at the right time and in the right way. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you just said, I mean, at the right time, but also not just one time, you know, don't just check in one time because you heard a podcast. I think you have to make it as part of your routine of, um, you know, employee I guess, gardening, you know, you see your employees as, as a garden and you have to make sure that you're doing really well with it. But yeah, make that, I would make that a regular part of your employee routine. Yeah, that's perfect. That make, that helps a lot. So <laughs> one of my favorite parts is when we start to kind of get towards the end here, you know, I think the the one thing that I like to ask people is, what are the things that people can do right now, actionable steps that will help their practice that you could say, hey, let's start with this. Let's start with this. What are those top three things that you think people could do right now? Set up a report timeline and stick to it. And even if you have to leave yourself reminders all over using your Google Calendar, iCal, Post-it notes, you know, phone a friend, whatever, set up a list of reports that you yourself are responsible for. I know that there are metrics all over that people are, are being held to KPIs and that sort of thing. But personally, you probably have a list of reports that you're running on a regular basis so that you don't get caught up in the KPI, you know, report as, as a bad seed. So run your reports and make sure that you're keeping up on your tasks, spot checking the skills. If you're a manager, that's typically who I'm working with. Spot check the skills of your employees on a regular basis. And that again, needs to be calendared. You can tell that I, I'm a calendar person. Uh, you have to spot check the people that you're working with and making sure that they're actually 
keeping up with their skills. Meaning if you have an assistant and they haven't taken any assisting classes or added to their skills, maybe there's a gentle nudge that can come into play there. Being a good manager means that you're staying on top of everybody. Unfortunately, that's part of what we do. But sometimes with all of this craziness that's going on, COVID, all of that, we just need to really pay attention to that. So create a schedule to do that, to, to check up on your employees. Doctors too. I mean, when was the last time they took a really good CE? That wasn't a webinar. That wasn't a webinar. That was a hands-on, right? And then this is my, my third tip. It's not really a tip though. It's a motto. And it's not even a, a fun catchphrase, but don't tolerate the sucky employees. How about that? Don't tolerate the sucky employees. If you've got somebody that you know should go, but you're so nervous because you're never going to find anybody to replace them, that person's counting on it. And you will not believe what kind of workplace improvement you will find when that person leaves. I can't, I mean, just trust me on this. I've seen probably a thousand sucky employees be left behind and it's been all good every time. Just don't tolerate it. Wow. That's a big one. Are there any other areas that you think could help practices right now? I would really love it if the whole team understood revenue cycle management in the office. So revenue cycle management is something that your audiences are very familiar with. My audiences are are made up of a mix. And so I have to explain it a lot. But when you're talking about how money flows through the office, clinical team members, I don't think understand how important that is. Now with the shutdown, a lot of them did obviously, but the fact that they have a role in revenue cycle management is always surprising to them. So talk to them about the fact that if you diminish treatment needs in the operatory, not even thinking about it, you just happen to say, well, we could probably do that next year. Or we could probably, you know, you know, those conversations happen, right? So talking about to the whole clinician's role in documentation that affects revenue cycle management. I think it's a fun team meeting topic. And it's also a muscle that needs to be used, revisited. What are we seeing? Meaning insurance coordinators, if you're seeing any trends in documentation needs, that needs to be conveyed to the clinical team. So revenue cycle management awareness is pretty cool. You didn't hear about that pre-COVID, but it seems like all of a sudden now everybody wants to talk about it, which is just thrilling for somebody who like me, who's very geeky with it. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's been, I would say, even on the commercial side for the last several years that I've that I've been more tightly involved with it. It's become a really hot topic. And I think that there, I, I don't think that people have put enough emphasis on really understanding rev cycle, right? And I think as they understand the process, then the flow gets better. And I think there's mm-hmm. some really interesting things that people should uncover. So any other last minute tips? One other tip that I could offer is role play, which I know makes everybody kind of shudder, but role play is really helpful actually. And it's even more fun when you're the one initiating it. So that's always the tip I give to managers is you be the one to bring it up because then you can control it. But, But the reason I like role play is that once you get over that initial discomfort about, you know, discussing benefits or discussing how much it's going to be out of pocket for the patient then it gets easier and easier. And it always comes with practice. I I know people are resistant, but you don't want to cut your teeth on this very skill when you have somebody in front of you. You want to do it when someone is able to look at you seriously and then stop and then give you feedback. And that's another thing too, though. I, I need it when you do role play. I do need you to be serious about it and not make funny faces. Maybe the first couple of times, of course, it's irresistible. But 
you really should should focus on that. Now, here's what I recommend for role play. One question is a patient says, why is it this much? It wasn't that much last time. So that's one that I would role play. I would also role play. Why don't you understand my benefits? I would also role play. What do you mean that the insurance company is telling me that you didn't need to do this treatment? So those three questions are going to, they're going to come. You've already heard them. I'll give you a tip though. When a patient says to you, why don't you know my benefits? Here's what I would say. So I'll just give you a a tip here. I usually am aware of what the insurance company is going to do. However, sometimes we run into crazy clauses. Sometimes your coverage isn't what I estimate to be. But what I'd like to do is look into it for you. However, in the last couple of years, our office has seen that insurance plans are more different than ever before. And so I'd really like to be able to look into it for you because patients think that it's the same old plan that they've had a million times. So just practice it. You'll get better. Yeah, no, I really like that. You know, it's funny, even in uh, one of the tips that people have asked me about in the past is when I'm trying to diffuse somebody or give people advice about diffusing customers, kind of go back to that feel, felt, found type of a strategy where I know how you feel. Uh, mm-hmm. I've found that when you do this, this is going to help. So you can you can really create some opportunities to learn how to handle objections is the way I would word that because there, there, are, there are many diverse ones. I love the examples you gave because those are tactical day in, day out. You're going to hear them every day. But I think also just a generic ability to just handle people's objections. I think there's things that we need to do to, to help patients because we're not, we're not selling them something. We're actually just trying to improve their care. And I think it's a, it's a yeah. service to the patient to help them get the, get the care that they need. Absolutely. From a managerial point of view, I don't want to put my new person on the front lines without that kind of training because uh, a really tenacious patient can see right through that, you know, well, I, uh, uh, you, you just, you want to be better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's an advantage to being super sharp. So Teresa, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to learn more? I have two podcasts, actually, if you feel like listening to me more, I have Nobody Told Me That, which is my little baby. I talk about management and insurance a lot. And then my friend, Kevin Henry, who's been in the industry a long time, he and I have Chew on This, which is really kind of the salacious side of dentistry. We take stories and then kind of riff on them. So those are more fun than the insurance podcast that I do. You can find me at odysseymgmt.com, have some online insurance classes. I have lots of free webinars on my site and I am available for strategy calls if you are interested. And again, I so appreciate getting the chance to connect to another podcaster. It's awesome. We're so glad you're here and really looking forward to uh, having more ongoing chats along the way. I think there's a lot that we can do. So thank you again for joining. Really appreciate the insights. It's my pleasure to be on it. Again, much appreciation for hosting me. And with that, we will catch everybody later. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of The Dental Deep Dive. We were so glad to have Teresa join us. I learned a lot. You probably learned a lot. My favorite takeaways from this episode were one, really looking at your accountability process for improving clinical documentation so that you can have better claims and better AR. I think another thing that we talked about was really the benefit and advantage of having great role-playing, particularly as you're starting to determine how practice wants to manage 
some of those awkward conversations and really setting your team up for success. And then the third thing was focusing in on your overall AR process by looking at it from end to end and making sure that we have good end of day activities to make sure that we're successful. So really appreciate Teresa for joining us and looking forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Dental Deep Dive. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Dentrix Enterprise, for sponsoring this episode of the Dental Deep Dive. As you know, Dentrix Enterprise is a practice management platform designed to help all types of organizations become efficient and effective in managing patient care. One of the advantages of Dentrix Enterprise is its robust set of revenue cycle management capabilities designed to help you streamline operational processes to help bring in revenue as efficiently and effectively as possible. If you'd like to learn more about how Dentrix Enterprise can help your practice optimize its revenue cycle management processes, please reach out to them at dentrixenterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive.